Redesign Travel is an interview series and podcast where we chat to experts, entrepreneurs, designers, researchers, and travelers of the world to explore how we can reimagine, reinvent, redesign, and regenerate travel. I'm your host, Elena Rodriguez Blanco. Welcome to today's journey. In today's journey, we have Kim Poldner, a professor of circular business at the Hague University of Applied Sciences. Her research interests evolve at the crossroads of entrepreneurship, aesthetics, and sustainability. Before she embarked on an academic career, Kim was a founder of the first eco-fashion store in the Netherlands in 2005, an initiator of the online platform EcoFashion World. Her green wardrobe, which included her upcycled wedding dress, was exhibited during the exhibition Where I Am in 2017. Kim, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Redesign Travel. Thank you so much, Elena. So Kim and I met some years ago uh, in a project around sustainable fashion and entrepreneurs. And Kim was one of the few people in that project that actually had been in the sustainable fashion world for way before it was a thing, <laughs> way before people knew what it was. So Kim, do you want to share with us a little bit like how that started for you and a bit about that, that first business and first journey that you had with redesigning how fashion should be? Yes, sure. So my journey in fashion started about 25, 30 years ago when I was a teenager drawing little puppets and little outfits, uh, which made me decide to go to fashion design school when I was 18. So I did that. Uh, but after, well, a year probably of being in that school and learning how to become a fashion designer, I realized, wait a minute, this industry is not, you know, it's nice, all this glamour and the catwalk and, but there's a very, very dark side to it. So I actually then pursued a master's degree. And when I had finished that uh, and had some years of work experience, I started my very first entrepreneurial endeavor in 2004, uh, which led to opening the first eco-fashion store in Amsterdam, the Netherlands in 2005. And I did that together with a friend. So I really became an entrepreneur in this landscape, so to say, because I was just thinking, okay, you know, if I want to express my identity, because I, I think fashion is about identity in the first place, you know, if I want to express my identity, how on earth can I wear clothes that have been produced by children uh, using toxic chemicals, you know? So I was buying at that time already organic food, for example. So I was like, okay, so I'm taking in healthy organic produced food. What about what happens on my skin? So, you know, when you're when you consider fashion as an opportunity to wear your values on your sleeve, I think sustainable fashion is a no-brainer. And that that really got me started on, on this journey. And yeah, the first way that I thought I could make a positive impact was to become an entrepreneur in this space. Great, amazing. And being such a like, thought leader or initiator, I would say, what were some of the challenges that you had when you were talking about this business idea and setting it there, people didn't know what sustainable fashion is. And 
What no. some of those things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the first thing that we learned, I mean, I was in my mid-20s at the time, was that it felt like a short, you know, very intensive MBA program to, to start my first business like that. So the, the first thing that I learned was that if you manage as a young entrepreneur to attract considerable investment, which we did at the time, you also attract some very bad people. (laughs) So people that want to sort of, you know, exploit uh, you. So we had some very crazy experiences with people that actually stole money from us while we were in the process of setting up our LTD with the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, And, you know, people that just wanting to uh, to do stupid stuff basically to you because you're young and naive and you're just trying to you know act out of your values uh, so that was a big learning lesson also we had an advisory board appointed at the time and i really noticed that it was very difficult to to um to really get support from them in the way that we needed and wanted at that point in time. So they, you know, they consisted of very wise people, but they were not doing the work with and for us. So they gave us some advice. And I think the third thing that happened in that journey was that we, I did this with my best friend at the time. And that was also a challenge of two captains on, on the same ship, right? So again, we were young and naive and we got into a huge fight, <laughs> which led me also to leave the company. So thank God we're still very good friends after all these years. Uh, but these were, you know, these are some of the yeah, obstacles that you probably encounter and that probably many people can relate to that are, you know, that are embarking on an entrepreneurial path. And after that journey, I um, I lived abroad for about 10 years, set up another two enterprises actually in this space, uh, one of them being indeed Eco Fashion World, which was an online portal and platform for everything around eco fashion in the world, catering mainly for a North American market. So that was, again, a very different type of enterprise because we ran it, of course, in virtual space. Uh, As four founders, we barely ever met in real time. So this was pre-COVID. Imagine (laughs) setting up a business. This was in 2008. And, um, And I think At one point, uh, what I realized very much as a social entrepreneur, if I could call myself at that time, was what I missed was depth. And I missed the books. I'm I'm a nerd. My kids call me a nerd and I am a nerd. (laughs) And I missed the books and I missed the research and I missed the study because in all these enterprises, every time I realized that what it came down to was sales. And you can interpret sales in many different ways. But I think my learning at that point in time was that that it was not giving me enough satisfaction, really. And that's when I started my PhD in 2008. Yeah. Great, great. Wow. I mean, it's like so many components then that take you different to make different decisions and down different paths, no? But already having three businesses... Uh, in the eco-fashion sector. Before it was, 
something that is known because the, one of the problems that we have then is that you're not only creating the, the sales many times the demand but also trying to figure out the supply especially with such uh, complex industries like uh, the fashion industry would be where um, supply chains are a big part of what the sustainability and and uh, fair trade and all the parts that go into it do you want to talk a little bit and i'm curious to see or understand what are some steps that uh, the fashion industry has taken in redesigning itself into a more sustainable place and also understanding that from when you started your first business to to now there's been uh, big changes in that respect so when we opened the eco fashion store in 2005 we were really um, grateful uh, that we could host basically the, the handful of sustainable fashion brands that were out there at the time in the world. So um, we had a great time traveling to visit these pioneers in, in the UK and in France and in the US as well uh, to, to be able to set up a collaboration and, and ship their garments, sometimes just samples to our store in Amsterdam and to, to sell them there. But what we noticed very quickly in just running the store itself was that we, because it was so new at the time, so we got a lot of media attention, which was great. And um, we had many, many people coming into the store, but we realized that we served more as an information point for people to understand what this was about, this new phenomenon of sustainably produced garments and fashion. So we, we really functioned as a teacher, basically, you know? <laughs> so we were telling people about it in, you know, journalists, uh, uh, customers, which was amazing. But then again, yes, we didn't, you know, get the sales to really make it a sustainable business model to put it like that, you know, so we got funding to start the whole thing, but then after some time, you want to be on your own feet and that just didn't happen. We were too early basically. So um, after some time we, uh, we closed the shop and I moved on also to, to start this new, uh, this new enterprise. And I think, you know, especially when I started my PhD in 2008, which uh, led me to interview around 58 sustainable fashion entrepreneurs around the entire world. It helped me a lot to see how the movement was taking shape. So how all these different entrepreneurs in, in various countries, mainly in the Western world at that time. So in the US, Canada, European countries, and just a handful also in emerging economies like the Philippines. And it was wonderful to see how people on the on different sides of the planet were, were coming up with new innovative ideas at the same time. You know, so I always, you know, considered them as sustainable or social entrepreneurs as unique individuals and entities. And at the same time, I considered it as a social movement that was taking place around the world, really. So I always also talked in my academic work about entrepreneurship as social change. So I think that was amazing to just see that coming into being really, you know, and, and with Eco Fashion World, we then also at one point, we had about over 200 sustainable fashion brands in our uh, in our glossary and in our on our platform basically that were sharing their stories and you know talking about the festivals that were 
popping up around sustainable fashion and the fashion weeks and the trade fairs, etc. So it was an exciting time altogether, you know, and I was I, I was very blessed to at one point be able to shift from being an active participant in this in this field as an entrepreneur, including all the fantastic things that I was experiencing and the challenges uh, to becoming more of an observer as an academic, as a researcher, right? I think a couple of years ago for me, the shift happened from sustainable fashion to circular fashion. So circular economy suddenly became much more of a thing here in the Netherlands and I think also globally. And, um, and this is when I made the transition myself also to, to focus more on, on this emerging concept of circularity. And there is so much going on uh, here also in the Netherlands uh, when, it, when it comes to circular fashion. So, uh, yeah, um, too much to, uh, to talk about, I think, in this podcast right now. <laughs> Yeah, but it would be great, uh, actually, if you could share like the basics of the circular economy and um, specific to also to the fashion industry so that people that have never heard about the concepts can can join into yeah. what's, what's, yeah. what's being said. Yeah, so the circular economy is really a waste-free economy, an economy where waste doesn't exist and where uh, streams of produce and of, of materials are being uh, after the use phase, so after consumers wear clothing, to, to take it back to clothing, um, that these precious resources, so the cotton in your t-shirt or the wool in your sweater, is not being disposed of, but is being reused, going back into the cycle. That's why we call it the circular economy, right? And um, so we're, we're talking a lot in circular economy about streams, about material streams, about also new technologies to, for example, recycle such streams and, and close the loop. And to me, the circular economy is also about social uh, aspects, about uh, creating new types of jobs, uh, about creating or, or nurturing a, a different type of mindset, because, you know, we can recycle all the uh, goods that we're consuming, but maybe we also need to just reduce the amount of consumption, you know, that we're all um, uh, practicing at the moment still. So it's, it's, it's a big, you know, conceptual uh, uh, topic when it comes to circular fashion. I think it's interesting to, to note that the Dutch government has the ambition to be fully circular by 2050. And that means that we need to increase uh, or basically replace the current linear fashion system by a circular fashion system. And for example, create materials out of recycled fibers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Huh? That's a really high goal there for, for the Dutch government to set. And uh, so thinking about that, right? Like if, I, if I'm currently working in a company or I'm about to start a business, what are the, like the, the main key factors that I need to look into to make my business be more part of the circularity uh, movement? What, are, what do you find are like this main points or levers that, are, that exist that can help me really like start walking towards that direction? Yeah, I think there are many different things that you can do. I'm a, an entrepreneurship and business scholar, so I'll talk a little bit from that perspective. 
I mean, one of the first things you can do is look at a certain product that you want to make more sustainable or circular. Then I can highly recommend to look at the cradle to cradle philosophy that really goes down to the material level. So to, to the fiber and even molecular level of your product. Uh, I think that's a good starting point because circular economy can sometimes be a bit too big and too conceptual, but cradle to cradle makes it very hands-on. Uh, what we see is that when companies, you know, choose to make one product cradle to cradle certified, for example, that it in, um, entails that their entire business model is going to go, you know, upside down, basically, because they need to look at different suppliers. They need to address their entire ecosystem around their company. So that has usually the effect of, of you know, just going for one product transformation into an, an entire company transformation. And then one of the things that you can do is, uh, for example, apply a new type of business model innovation tool that we use a lot in my group uh, called the business model template. Uh, I'm happy to share uh, the, the resources uh, for this model because it helps you to think through your business and and make it much more sustainable and circular. So many people know the business model canvas. This is a, an alternative to it that really pushes you in that direction of becoming more sustainable. So I think these are two, you know, concrete things that mm -hmm. you could take on, whether you're in the fashion industry or in any type of industry to get going on that journey. Yeah, I think like sometimes we're always thinking innovation as as being new products and services while really innovating how we do the business, how we make the money uh, are key aspects, uh, especially thinking uh, around um, sustainability, circularity and, and just re redesigning uh, how we how we live. Right. And if I'm in the service industry, uh, I'm always thinking a little bit about travel. So <laughs> this podcast are like, what are are there any differences like? Versus, you know, because cradle to cradle tends to be more on the product side. But I mean, I know services all have products and supply chains as well. But have you seen some some aspects that are particular in thinking about cradle to cradle and circular for services and experience economy businesses? Well, I mean, what we see in the circular economy is that we're creating new business models around product as a service, right? So we're moving away from ownership to, for example, rental and lease models, uh, such as what we're seeing with clothing libraries, for example, in the Dutch uh, uh, retail landscape. When I'm thinking about, for example, the tourism or, or, or travel industry, uh, even before COVID, what really already uh, uh, got my attention was that there were really cool social entrepreneurs in the Netherlands that were offering, for example, city trips to Tel Aviv, um, but not to actually fly there and to visit the city, but to have to have a digital visit. Okay, so this already happened two years ago, right before COVID broke out. So I think these types of experiences are really cool, you know, and I, I'm blessed that I saw a lot of the world that I was able to, to live abroad for about 10 years in different countries in the world. And I do miss travel, but I think my sense is really that I should not travel any longer, that I should not be jumping on planes anymore. So it's these type of experiences 
And I think you can make them even, you know, in a 3D or 4D version that can still satisfy my desire for foreign cultures and experiences, you know, so I would love to see innovations in that space. You know, I can imagine that you go to an evening like that and you're not only in Tel Aviv visually with beautiful photos or video materials, but you get to, you know, you, you, you get to eat Israeli food uh, during that evening. So, so those types of all-round experiences would be really cool. And I would definitely be a customer for that. <laughs> Thank you for the tip, Kim. Um, <laughs> if you um, bring them to the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, well, they're digital, so they can be everywhere, right? Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I think it's really going back to the, I think what's what the challenge really is, is having the right questions, you know, and and, and sometimes the, the tough part is like, what does, travel even mean what can it mean you know or what does fashion mean what it what what means to an end is it serving is it about identity can that identity be shaped and how can it be um, changed uh, through time as well right so I think those are really interesting questions and in this podcast we've also talked about regenerative business and economics we've had a couple of, of people that are um, that you know as well like Daniel, who are uh, thought leaders on that space. And I was just wondering, what, what do you think are the differences or are there between what's now being called regenerative business to circular business? What, are you, what, are, what is your take on that? <laughs> yeah, it's a very timely question because I think it was yesterday that I thought about my midterm review that is coming up as a professor. And right now my group is called Circular Business. And I thought, I'm going to change the title of my group to regenerative <laughs> organizing. <laughs> so I, I think circular is, is kind of limiting by now for me and, and for the space that I want to be working in. I'm in fact learning a lot from a colleague who is a, who is a, who just defended her PhD on biomimicry. So I'm very much looking forward to, you know, getting more to learning more about this topic to integrating that more into my research and educational activities, because I think it's very much needed. So what are differences? I mean, yeah, circular is maybe still for me too much about damaging or, or de decreasing the damage coming from the linear economy, while regenerative is really about restoring as, as far as I understand it, right? So it's really about, you know, not not buying secondhand, like, you know, the sweater that I'm wearing um, or coming up with a, with a business model such as a clothing library or recycling textiles. But regenerative is that I will be able in the future to grow my own textiles in my own vegetable garden. And then I can nourish the soil with the textiles that I no longer want to wear, for example. And that's very much the work that I've done with Wageningen University. I set up the Wageningen University uh, Circular Fashion Lab, where we really looked at bio-based textiles. And, uh, and we're still doing that, by the way. So that, for me, is regenerative. Uh, so I... I had a um, vegetable garden last year and I will, in my new home, I will start one again. And I'm just fascinated 
on also the the cross-sectoral opportunities in agriculture, for example, between growing food and growing textiles, because I think they are huge. You know, right now we grow tomatoes here in the Netherlands and the stems, the plants of the tomatoes are just waste while there's fiber in there. You can make textiles out of it. So that would also be a very interesting new business model for all the farmers that are currently have heavily subsidized and need to look for different revenue streams, right? So that to me is, is regenerative, that we look at creating new opportunities, textiles, products, whatever, with nature, not by exploiting nature, but by regenerating nature. So by giving back to nature, by nurturing the soil. And I have very little knowledge on this, but um, I'm surely gonna gonna make it, um, yeah, my ambition to learn and study more in this direction. Great, excellent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think all all the people that we've been talking about sustainability for so many years, we're now um, looking into regeneration and the hope is that it doesn't become <laughs> like just a word, but that we can really uh, come up yeah. with. Uh, and then imagination and creativity and um, research are going to be the key uh, aspects. And it sounds like now we have the tools and, uh, and the resources to maybe go on those exciting new adventures that, that could come out. And since you were talking a little bit about the future, what it could look like, I was wondering if you have uh, pictured what, what life could, like if we do take this, this pathways, what, 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 what type of future are we, are we going to find ourselves with? Or what, what's one possibility? One hopeful, hopefully. <laughs> well, I mean, I can only... I can only share my dreamed future scenario. Um, so, so when I think about 2050 uh, and, and the ambition of the Dutch government and that by that time I'll be in my 70s, <laughs> I hope that I'm going to be living in a much more communal way and a much, much less individualistic way, like things are organized at the moment uh, here in the Netherlands, at least most of the time. Um, yes, and that I'll be able to grow my own food and grow my own textiles for that matter, both maybe in a very, you know, traditional way, but maybe also integrated with high-tech technologies, you know, so maybe by then I can actually print from my paper waste that contains cellulose, I can print new textiles or new products for my home, you know, so I think that scenario to me looks very aspiring and and ideal. And of course, I hope that I can contribute to to crafting it uh, for my children, for my grandchildren, and all those other planet Earth inhabitants <laughs> at that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And I guess um, just to end with one uh, question is what do you think is one thing that we can do now that can help bring forth that, that future? Like what, you know, I'm just listening to this podcast now and I'm like, I want that future too. What, what changed? What can I apply in my life already? I think it's very difficult to answer that because it's a very personal question. Um, so for me, for example, to, to not fly anymore, 
that's an option, but I can imagine that for you, it's not because this is your industry. This is your field. So I think every one of us should just look deep inside, reflect, meditate, and consider like what you really want and can do to, to, to get us to that beautiful regenerative future. And yes, I will, I will keep things small. I will, uh, cut down on my consumption. I haven't been buying clothing for several years, for example. And I will try to, to, to spread the word in an inspiring, in, in an inspiring way so that maybe other people will contribute as well. Thank you, Kim. Uh, I guess that info, info booth uh, role that you had in your first uh, company is still there, right? And I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a lot of the the work that we do as well as sharing sharing what what the future could look like, but also what's happening now. And uh, through entrepreneurship, um, a lot of us just showing how it could be done, or at least doing prototypes through research, sharing that knowledge, and uh, pushing us to go deeper and further. And it's it's beautiful to see like how it really all works like as a system as well and how we're all connected um, walking towards that direction so thank you so much for your time and for being here and for sharing with us and i'm looking forward to following your work uh, we will post some links to where we can find what you're doing what you're researching what you're publishing and, uh, and i wish you all the best in these new steps thank you so much it was my pleasure uh, talking with you elena Thank you for joining us in Redesign Travel and Life in this conversation with Kim Paltner. I hope you learned a lot about how the circular economy is changing the way we do our lives and what the future of fashion, travel, and economics really will look like. Make sure to subscribe and join us for future episodes. Have a wonderful day.